Hi, my name's Lou. Welcome to you all wherever you're joining us from and whatever time of day it is there. Although you can probably tell from my accent that I'm not a local, I've been part of Jubilee here on Teesside for 19 years now and I very much consider this to be my home. I love being part of this church and I really miss seeing everybody and worshipping together during this time of lockdown. But God is faithful and I know he is with each one of us and we can trust him completely to work out his perfect plans in his time. If you've been joining us over the last few weeks, you'll know that we've been looking at the heroes of faith in Hebrews 11, men and women who put their trust in God and clung on to his promises when they couldn't see the outcome or even sometimes the wood for the trees, as the saying goes. So far, the writer to the Hebrews has been giving us stories of individuals and specific circumstances, but now the pace is picking up a bit as he's bringing his argument in for a landing. He begins this section with the words, and what more shall I say? Good question. We are being invited to think. What more can be said to demonstrate how faith can work in our lives? Plenty, apparently. Let's read today's verses together. Hebrews 11, verses 32 to 34. And what more shall I say? I do not have time to tell about Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, David, Samuel and the prophets, who through faith conquered kingdoms, administered justice and gained what was promised who shut the mouths of lions, quenched the fury of the flames, and escaped the edge of the sword, whose weakness was turned into strength, and who became powerful in battles and routed foreign armies. Some of you will know that I'm a primary school teacher. A big part of my job is to teach children to write, and clearly this involves teaching grammar and spellings and that sort of thing. But even more importantly, it involves teaching children how to communicate. What do they want to say? How do they want to make their reader feel? So I usually ask them the question, what effect do you want your writing to have? The writer to the Hebrews is clearly in the process of convincing and persuading his readers to have faith. Now a really good way of persuading someone to, is to give them lots of facts, examples and proof that stand up to scrutiny. So far, he's reminded the Hebrews of characters from their rich history who they would have been familiar with and often heard about in the synagogue. In the verses we've just read, he changes tack. You'll notice he's given us two lists, a list of names and a list of example situations. The effect he's trying to achieve is to persuade us that heroes of faith are not one-offs or rare breeds. There are too many to mention, meaning that being like them is not an unattainable goal. The Hebrews, and we too, can be heroes of faith as well. Let me just repeat that. We too can be heroes of faith. No one is excluded. God has called each one of us to trust him and to lean on his promises for our lives. And for each one of us, this will look different, just as it did for each of the men and women mentioned in Hebrews 11. So I just want to share some of my thoughts about these few verses. Firstly, they're completely in keeping with everything that the writer has said so far. They add weight to his argument that God can use anybody, and he especially seems to like using imperfect people. Some of the characters listed in verse 32 are very well known, Gideon, Samson, David and Samuel, and others less so, Barak and Jephthah. What I noticed when reading about these men and considering their stories was that they all had their failings, some more spectacular than others. They're flawed heroes, and yet they are still held up as examples, heroes of faith. We see time and again in the Bible that God loves to use people the rest of us write off, including ourselves, and this list is further proof. Weak faith is better than unbelief, and you don't have to be perfect to make it into God's hall of faith. 
Several of the men on this list continue the theme of doubt being transformed into faith, as we heard about in the story of Sarah from John Hosier a few weeks ago in this sermon series. Gideon required proof in the form of wet and dry fleeces. Barak refused to follow God's instructions unless Deborah, the prophetess who had given them to him, came along to the battle. He needed the reassurance. Jephthah made a foolish vow, as if his vow was what would convince God to give him the victory in battle against the Ammonites, and he sacrificed his only daughter to fulfil it, in direct disobedience of God's instructions concerning the detestable act of child sacrifice, which was associated with worshipping the Ammonite god Molech. Samson famously allowed Delilah, remember the song, to entice him into disobeying God's specific requirement to not ever cut his hair, with disastrous results. And David fell to sexual temptation with Bathsheba, resulting in an unplanned pregnancy and a cover-up murder. Even Samuel the prophet, who led Israel for decades, had parenting issues, and he didn't manage to disciple his sons into following his footsteps honourably. You can see that story in 1 Samuel 8 verse 3. However, each one of these men was powerfully used by God, despite their limitations and character flaws, which reminded me of a couple of verses. In 2 Corinthians 12 verse 8, God tells the Apostle Paul, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. And in Isaiah 41 verse 10, God says to his people, Do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. God apparently doesn't discount anyone from being useful in his kingdom, which is both a blessing and a challenge. Do we discount ourselves because we think we're not worthy or have too many issues or obstacles or personal flaws to overcome? Maybe we think that our upbringing or past experiences, our failures or disappointments or family situations stop us from being useful to God. But that's not what Paul says in 1 Corinthians 1 verse 27 to 29. He says, but God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. God chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong so that no one may boast before him. Jesus is our holiness, righteousness and redemption. I certainly recognise my own shortcomings, weaknesses and baggage from the past. So it's an encouragement to know that God chooses me with full knowledge of them too. Listen to what Paul says in another of his letters to the church at Corinth. This is 2 Corinthians 4 verses 5 to 7. For what we proclaim is not ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord. For God, who said, let light shine out of darkness, has shone in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. As jars of clay, we are all weak and far from perfect. We are made of common stuff, but God chooses to display his power in and through us Because how could anybody possibly find hope if God only revealed himself through people who were already perfect? That would be a pretty exclusive club. C.S. Lewis defines faith as the art of holding on to something your reason has once accepted in spite of your changing moods. So if we can keep hold of what God says about us, for example in the verses just mentioned or in Romans 8 where we're told and reminded that we are in Christ Jesus, if we can remember and remind ourselves of truth from the Bible and dig in, taking every thought captive and putting on the armour of God, then we can be effective in God's plans, even with our weaknesses and Achilles' heels. I remember a word I shared on a Sunday morning months ago. God reminded me that although I'm still a work in progress, his work through Christ, which was bought my salvation, is a finished work. When Jesus died on the cross, he said, it is finished. That means there was nothing that needed adding to his sacrifice on the cross for us. His life in place of ours was enough for our salvation. 
That's why Christianity is a gift to receive and not a thing to earn. If you are listening to or watching this and you don't consider yourself to be a Christian, please don't discount yourself. God is offering you an invitation to come to him as you are, warts and all. He loves you and he wants a relationship with you. You can make a simple choice today that will have a profound effect on the rest of your life and change your trajectory completely. Check out the information on our website if you want to know more or send us an email. When I started to prepare for this talk, my instinct was to assume that the second list, the list of circumstances in verse 33 and 34, describes the experiences of the men in the previous list, so I tried matching them up. But this is not the point the writer is trying to make, and the circumstances don't fit precisely the names we've been given. What we have in this list of situations might be references to other famous Old Testament stories like Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego in the fiery furnace or Daniel in the lion's den. But more significantly, they describe the acts of numerous other unsung heroes, men and women whose stories may never be told, but whose experiences are nonetheless examples of faith. When I think of modern day equivalents, names that I would add to the Hall of Faith, I think of people like Mother Teresa and Nelson Mandela. These were both people who suffered and made huge sacrifices for what they believed. They achieved high profile in very different ways and they left behind a lasting legacy. But these were the figureheads and behind the scenes were undoubtedly many more whose names we will never hear but who endured in much the same way. Hebrews was written at a time when Chris Christians in the early church had experienced and were continuing to experience persecution. And we know that around the world today, there are Christians facing similar persecution. The writer is here saying that all Christians, famous or not, persecuted or not, are heroes of faith when we cling to God and trust him, come what may in our personal circumstances. We've recently in lockdown been celebrating unsung heroes during the weekly Thursday night clap for carers. Although some news stories of heroic acts in the face of the COVID-19 pandemic we're still living through have been shared in the media, many will go unnoticed and uncelebrated. But we know they happened and they're still happening now that the clapping has stopped. Being unsung doesn't make sacrificial acts of kindness and serving any less heroic. What Hebrews 11 teaches us is that we can be confident that God sees everything and no act of faith is without its reward, even if we don't see it this side of heaven. And the final verses of the chapter talk about exactly this and they'll be the topic of next week's talk. Jesus also had something to say about unsung acts of faith as recorded in Matthew 6. He said in verse 1, be careful not to practice your righteousness in front of others to be seen by them. If you do, you will have no reward from your Father in heaven. This speaks more about the motivation of our actions than whether they're visible or not. If the purpose for your doing something is to get the glory yourself, then you will have received your reward in full. Jesus was not impressed by people in the community that felt that their deeds had to be seen and recognised, such as praying on street corners or announcing their giving with trumpets. Rather, he encouraged his followers to trust that their heavenly father saw and delighted in their faith. Let's not be driven by a desire for our faith to be recognised, but live to delight our father in heaven. Let me just close by giving a summary of the Hebrews 11 definition of faith, taken from verses dotted throughout the chapter. Faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see, considering him faithful who has made the promise, reasoning that God can and looking ahead to his reward. Our challenge now is to take what we have been learning from our study of Hebrews 11 and apply it to our own everyday circumstances. Are you trusting God for promises he gave you maybe years ago? Have you suffered setbacks to your life goals and found yourself re-evaluating what really matters? 
Or do you find yourself worrying about the uncertainty of the future in the light of coronavirus? God's not expecting you to have it all together. The way forward is to make small choices to trust every day in which we'll build the habit of faith over time. I'd like to just pray for us. Thank you, God, that you are with us in every circumstance we face in life. Nothing is beyond your control. Nothing is outside of your knowledge. Father, we can trust you that you will be faithful to us and that inspires us to have faith in you. Lord, I pray that you would help each one of us to put our trust completely in you and to allow you to direct our steps. Amen.